Hello, my name is Jacob, and welcome to episode 68 of the Folk Podcast. Today, it is just Caleb and I. And as you listen to this, him and I are actually in California right now for our first West Coast gathering, uh, which is really exciting because this has been a long time coming. Uh, You know, essentially, you know, this started on the East Coast. So, you know, finding people to, you know, lead these events um, over in the West Coast has always been kind of difficult. Luckily, we have Darius, who's been on the podcast before when we talked about Philgia. Um, He was made a fellowship leader at our fall gathering. Um, So he lives out in Portland. And so he's been planning a West Coast gathering since then, and him and I have been working on it. Um, so all three of us will actually be road tripping from Portland to uh, like Northern California. It's like six hours away um, to stay next to a volcano uh, while we do this. So if you hear any news about a volcano going off in Northern Cali, that was us. But what we actually want to talk about today, it's just Caleb and I, uh, we want to talk about evolving your practice or evolving your faith uh, because we recently had the Yule Gathering in Ohio, where we, we him and I both performed an Odin ritual, and uh, dare I say the most complicated Odin ritual either of us have ever performed. Well, did you say that's a correct statement, Caleb? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because th- this ritual itself it w- was months in the making, lots of practice, lots of conversation, um, and then we also had six other guys, uh, men in the community, perform it with us. Um, so, after doing it and after the the effects of it, uh, we really want to continue practicing and evolving this into the future. Um, so we're going to be going to this California gathering and performing this ritual with some things that we have learned and, of course, adapting to um, where we're at in California because we do have less people. You know, we're going from 65, 70 people, which was the Ohio Yule gathering, uh, down to around 20. And so with these 20 people, we're going to, uh, you know, have to change some things we have to see how the ritual area looks so we are going to have to adapt um but then we've also learned some things along the way um so caleb can you uh you want to start a little bit on the process for you as far as uh you know how we came to about this ritual or when you kind of came into it um well we got the we mainly got the idea from when we went and saw highland uh back at red rocks and then we both started uh one to try out new things kind of based off of some of what they did. Um, my original thing was I wanted to do something similar to like the, uh, the Galder chant that you had done in the past um, with mixing in like uh, uh, kind of like the Yule ritual that I did last year with, you know, finding, uh, finding these, the, the runes, doing a chant with them and then having that be something for the people in the next cycle, like what they were see, uh, searching for the guidance that they needed, but then it evolved into uh, what it, we ended up having in the Yule video. And I will say, if you haven't already, a lot of what we're going to be discussing today is based off of that Yule Gathering video in Ohio. Um, So please check that out if you haven't. I have added chapters to that hour and a half long video. Um, So if you wanted to, you can just skip to the Odin thing. Although I hope you watch the whole thing. The whole thing is really good. Um, But the Odin ritual itself, I believe, is around 20 minutes in the video. And it's about half of everything. Uh, I cut about half of it out um, just for time's sake. Um, But I still wanted to give you the essence of what it was. Um, So definitely check that out. Um, and hopefully what you can what you can start seeing is, you know, if I record this one at the California Yule Gathering, which, you know, by the time you're listening to this, we probably would have performed by now. Um, you know, hopefully you can watch that video and see what we've learned, see what subtleties. And I, I would say what me, uh, Caleb and I both were watching for at High Lung 
was the subtleties to Heilung's performance. Um, you know, watching what they did behind the scenes, watching, you know, almost like the, uh, the magician revealing their secrets. What was going on that you weren't supposed to look at that kind of led to the, the spiritual experience? Uh, it was just, I mainly was watching like the mannerisms of the warriors and things like that. Uh, seeing, like trying to see and figure out like what type of trance it was that they uh, got into. And then the things that they did and like what the things that they did or didn't do to like stay in the trance, because like I've talked about it on here before, as far as like the, uh, the warrior's path that I, that I kind of go down, there's not a whole lot of information to find on it. So whenever I find things that I can try to infer things from or learn from, I take the, I take advantage of it. I still want to know what Christopher Yule was doing with those, those three bowls. I still want to know. I'm not sure exactly. Like I wish I knew what was in them. Um, but sitting there and I didn't notice it until you mentioned something about it. And then I started watching you see him pick up that one and go to the next and go to the next. It was just a cycle. Yeah. Of doing and that. if it was just one, I'd be like, oh, it's just his water or he's got like some honey water down there or something like that. But it was the fact that he was doing it in a ritualistic manner that has me questioning it. Yeah, it's uh, I, I feel like, you know, I want to say that it was something to do with the actual trance itself or maybe even a little personal ritual that he does during the main one. So I really doubt that they do ayahuasca on stage. <laughs> that would be nuts. Uh, I mean, also, I wouldn't be surprised. But um, I have been reading more into this, uh, the shaman book that's really covering like South American shamanism. And they're really big on some form of herbal blend, not necessarily psychedelic, um, that helps maintain a spiritual connection. Like uh, one of the things they do is tobacco soaked in water. Um, and what the tobacco soaked in water does is it feeds your spirit animal, your power animal, or what we would call a philgia in the northern traditions. Um, and so they, you know, anytime they have a spiritual journey, they have something mixed with tobacco um, to drink in order to feed that spirit throughout. Um, so I'm wondering if it's it could be something like that. I mean, I would be again. I I want to know. I mean. In a way, I kind of want to say that it's probably it could be mushrooms of some kind because we know, I know when they uh, in, what is it the Naropo video that's like how they started off right eating those huge ass mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> again like if it was them privately you know if they were just doing a private performance I would definitely be like yeah they're probably tripping mushrooms right now but I highly I, like when you get to that point where you have a producer where you have thousands of dollars you know possibly in the millions of dollars at stake. Um, your producer is not going to allow you to do mushrooms on stage. <laughs> uh, as much as you, you're going to want to, uh, you know, that was something, you know, if this band existed in the eighties, they would have been like, ah, whatever. Uh, and probably some to the extent now, but once, once money gets involved, they really start to limit what you're able to do on stage. And for some reason, I feel like they would be okay if you're like, yeah, I'm going to do a bunch of Coke before this show. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's what musicians do. But then you start saying, I want to do mushrooms on stage. They're going to be like, Hmm. <laughs> uh, so one thing that I uh, really got away from from the high lung ritual was the importance and, and maybe this is maybe it was all faded but when the power turned off and uh, it was just the just the audible percussion um, the musical component of a spiritual experience was very important because you got to see what happens once you took away all the technology what you were left with you know you were left with just with Kai smacking the shit out of a shield with a torch. And, you know, so I was like, okay, how can we bring in audio components in a non-technological way? Because we don't have any anything like that for our rituals. And I don't think we ever really want it. Um, so, you know, that was really big for me and something I really want to improve upon the next time we do it.
Yeah, and it was a it was kind of surprising to me because I always thought that they were up there. They were yelling these things. I never knew that they were saying them so softly and that the microphones were, were making them loud. Right. I honestly thought that they that they were up there yelling all this stuff for the most part. Right. Well, and that's one of the you know the reasons I was like, you know what, let's have the the warriors whisper these runes rather than you know gutturally scream them. Hmm. And I, I think that's uh, you know when I was watching the premiere, a lot of people really loved just the subtlety of it um, because it wasn't in your face, but you could still hear them. Um, and that was almost, you know, for me, that was the, the trance inducer was the actual chanting of the runes. Yeah. I'll be honest during that whole thing. I never felt like I went into a trance. I was just, I don't know. I was like somewhere in between honestly, like all the way gone and still being able to like do what you need. To do. Right. Well, I feel like that's what happens when you, you know, you're a ritual leader is you have to have that, that subtle, you know, you can't go too deep because you have to be there for them as well. Um, but what I will say, uh, my favorite aspect of it was honestly our pre-ritual. Um, like the pre-ritual where it was just you and I and the six guys. And we just kind of got into the zone. For me, that was the strongest spiritual experience for myself. And maybe it was because I wasn't, you know, performing. I wasn't, you know, trying to, to do something for a crowd. Um, it was just us. And so, you know, something about that fire you know, the way the wind was whipping, the way the fire was like following us around. And, you know, uh, it, there was just something about it that, you know, that pre-ritual to me was a very powerful experience. Oh, yeah. The fire was ridiculous. And I mean, like, heck, you couldn't stand closer than what, like 10 foot to it without feeling oh, like yeah. on fire. Like, <laughs> I was dancing around it. And, you know, a normal dance around, I would say, is like two or three feet away from a fire. And I took like my, I rolled my pant leg up because I like showing off like, my left leg has a you know your hand poke tattoos and zach hand poke tattoos now um so it's like more of a it's a very spiritual you know tattoo set there and i was like oh i want to show these off for the ritual and then as soon as i did i felt the leg hairs being scorched off of my flesh and i was like nope and i rolled the bad leg back down <laughs> oh well, somehow during that i've like rolled mine up and then next thing i knew like i'm like i want to go to watch the video one's up and one's down yeah i was trying to figure out what was going on there but i was like i probably know no one noticed i was moving around too much now one thing um uh, i'm trying to figure out how we can pull this in and again this is kind of part of the conversation of evolving your spirituality is it well, first off i you know i think there's three stages there is the research stage of a ritual where you're figuring out what are the historical components, the modern components, uh, you know, the, you know, other people's experiences that you want to roll into your own ritual. You then take that research into this, you know, into the, the creation stage. You start planning it out. I think you should have a loose plan. Um, now, you know, depending on what ritual you're performing, obviously a small, you know, offering really don't need a plan. But if you were doing something like we do, you can't just do that off the cuff. You know, you, High Lung doesn't just do what they do off the cuff, at least not what they do for live performances. There's rehearsal there. Uh, and I think there should be some minimal amount of rehearsal in a larger ritual in your life, which we did as well. You know, I would say we had about two hours total of prep time uh, for this ritual. And then you have the actual execution and the experience stage, uh, which is obviously what we're talking about now. But I guess, the, well, I guess there is a fourth stage and that is re regrouping and, and seeing what worked. Because there's it, not everything's going to work, not the first time, and you're, and you're going to improve upon it. You're going to say, okay, this worked. I didn't like this. Um, I didn't get this effect. Uh, I wanted to see this. Um, you know, so how do we improve that the next time? Um, so, for instance, something Zach had mentioned to me is um, me actually walking around the fire, 
could actually break someone's trance if they're trancing out into the fire. So if I'm actually breaking that eye line with it, it could break their trance. And at first I was like, oh, okay. You know, well, I was like, Zach, you weren't even at that ritual. What are you talking about? <laughs> you didn't show up till later. Get out of here. Uh, but the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that could be true. And then I was reading um, this new, the way of the shaman book uh, I've been reading. And it was talking about how uh, like traditionally like South American shamans don't move necessarily during their shamanic trances. They stay, they're stationary and they are completely blind and that you have to cover your eyes with something or be in complete darkness. Um, and to remove and to see any light and to move, it's, is to break the trance. And so now with this next one, the one we're doing in California, I'm going to try to not move. And I'm going to try to be blind the entire time. All right. <laughs> I mean, I can I can definitely see how that would enhance it all because you're separating yourself even more from the the physical world and putting yourself into more of the uh the astral and spiritual realms yeah i'm trying to think like again here's the, the you know the the conversation about it that you have to like kind of plan for the next stuff because you know if we still want to do the uh like the like the iron oxide you know blessing because i thought that was a very visceral experience i'm very happy with how that turned out Mostly because I think it really snapped people out of reality for a second. You know, the moment they get smacked in the face with, you know, something that like basically mead and iron, like, I think it brings them closer to the experience, um, you know, more so than I, I've really gotten into engaging the senses. Um, you know, if you can engage all the senses during a ritual, you have more of a success of, you know, positive effects or the effect you're wanting out of it. Um, and so when you're splattering someone in the face with a mixture of mead and iron, like they are smelling it, they are feeling it, and they might even be tasting it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we can, we could definitely still do the iron oxide. I would, I would just say that I would have to do that because you'll be, yeah. <laughs> you'll be blind, <laughs> be well, throwing it all over the place. Can't see. <laughs> uh, no, but I think that makes sense because, you know, in the setup, you know, I'm the, you know, the guide for everybody and then you're the orator. So I think it would make more sense to take some of the roles that I still did and pass them on to you, like the blessing of the mead. Because um, one no moment uh, when we're rewatching it that I felt was awkward is the moment I called the warriors with the horn. I, I got the drum and I started beating it. Um, and then I had to put down the drum to then pick up the mead bowl and like splatter everybody. So I think, you know, like if you came into that situation, I was sitting there, called you guys, played the drum, and then I didn't move. After that, I was stationary. Um, and then you come out with the mead bowl already, and then you bless everybody. Yeah, we could, yeah, that's could definitely be a good way of uh, a transition. And I always feel like with, with rituals, uh, especially performed rituals, is there's so many components you have to think about. You don't only have to think about the spiritual component. You have to think about the logistical component, too, to what you're doing. Um, for instance, we had several members in our community. I mean, we got lucky this time because, like, the, the ritual, I, I really like that ritual area because you had the fire in the center and then you had, like, a few benches around it and then an opening where, you know, we had the god poles. Um, but, like, logistically, this is something I talk about with the fellowship leaders. Um, you have to consider who's at your event. You know, we had three people with mobility impairments at our event. Um, you know, uh, we had someone with, you know, a walking issue and two pregnant ladies um, that, you know, needed to have a place to sit down. Wait, no, we had three pregnant ladies. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I've been busy. 
right? <laughs> that spring energy was strong, everybody, I guess, yeah. Yeah, like, isn't everyone, like, the same, like, length along, too? Pretty much. Everybody is right about the same. I think Lindsay was the furthest. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild, man. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, you have to think about things like that. Luckily, we were secure here, but we did have to, we had the two lodges. And so that was part of the planning process. And we're like, well, we're having all the rituals at Frontier Lodge. So, therefore, all the people... Uh, with mobility impairments need to be at Frontier Lodge. Um, and so, you know, going into the California gathering, you know, we have someone in a wheelchair, so we don't have to think about that component as well. Um, and, you know, and how to perform a ritual in a way that is, you know, they're able to participate in. Um, and so it, it's it's very fascinating to to perform these rituals in a, in a public way because there are so many layers to it. Oh, yeah, we but we I will say we always end up finding we always end up finding the best possible solution that, that we're able to, to make everything work. Well, and how crazy is it? The weather always works out just the way we need it to. Mm-hmm. Just the right way. Because this weekend very could have well been a washout. Um, it was raining the first night we got there. And then um, it slowed down just long enough to get the land Vatier ritual out of the way. And then the Odin day, um, it rained a little bit in the morning. And then just for that ritual, um, you know, it was fine. There was no rain, but the wind was whipping like crazy the whole time. Um, And then that night, the clouds parted over a cloudy weekend and we had perfect full moon just for that night. Yeah. And it's just like, you can't ask for anything better than that. You know, and you don't want to sit here and say like, we commanded the weather, but also it's just like, but also, <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like, they, like that. That's a good way of telling that, like the gods are, you know, they're happy and they're proud of like what we're doing because they'll, you know, they'll show themselves in that way of making the weather change to like well, what we would likely like it. Remember when we were doing that podcast and like reading those old stories from the Heimskringler or whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, a Skiva? I think it was Heimskringler. Um, there was a lot of the stories about uh, Christians interacting with pagans, and the thing they would always act for proof of their god's existence was weather change. So I do think that weather changing is a component to the way the gods interact with us. Yeah, 100%. Um, so another thing that I was thinking about in the evolution of this ritual is definitely the music, the musical component. The Galder chanting was great, and I loved we got the women to sing a people back down. I absolutely mm. loved that. Uh, but I definitely want to bring in more drums. I think this next time around, if we can. Yeah. The only issue with the with the next time is like, I don't think I'm going to be able to fly with. I might be able to put one of my smaller drums in, but I'm not going to be able to bring the big. Yeah. One. <laughs> we need to message Darius and see if. I mean, we're just going to have to tell everyone like, hey, if you got drums, please bring them. Um, because yeah, I mean, I'm trying. I have my one carry on suitcase, and then my bag is all I'm going to have. Um, so I'm barely going to have enough stuff for my ritual garb. Uh, plus my filming equipment, uh, and then also clothes. <laughs> Just wear the same thing all weekend. It'll be fun. I know. I'm, I'm going to be real smelly um, by the end of this. And not to mention, we're there from, you know, well, I, well, you're getting there Thursday as well, aren't you? Yeah. Um, yeah I'm getting there. I think it's like 9, nine o'clock or 9.30 Wednesday, or Thursday night. That's when my flight comes in. Thursday night? Yeah, that's when I get the port. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I get in there like 11.30 uh thursday night um hopefully we can get the rental car i called and uh it's like 12 o'clock is when the rental car at midnight is when the rental car place closes i landed 11 35 and i called and i was like am i going to be able to get this car 
And they're like, yeah, we'll leave the keys with a security guard. And I'm like, that sounds suspicious. <laughs> like, do I have to just find this one security guard to give like, me hey, these keys? <laughs> you got my stuff? <laughs> now, from what I heard, I don't think Portland is a very big airport. And I think that's why they were like, oh, it's whatever. Oh, it's really, it's not? That's kind of surprising. Well, Portland's not a massive city, even though it's a popular city. I think it, it's not much bigger than Lexington. I think it's under a million people. Yeah, a million people. That's not that much. No. Well, you know, you figure I live in the Lexington, Louisville, Cincinnati, uh, you know, trifecta here. So Lexington's the smallest of those three cities with around 400,000 people. And then Louisville's around 1.5 and Cincinnati's around 2.5, I think, something like that. And I, and I live in a place that's got 50,000 people in the city and I'm like, this is too many. I thought the Tri-City area had a pretty decent amount, though. The the If you count all three of the cities, you've got like. Uh, between like I can't remember what the last telling was. It was somewhere between one hundred fifty thousand and two hundred thousand. But yeah. I grew up in a place that had thirteen thousand people in the entire county, <laughs> and fifteen hundred people in the in the city. When I when I went to high school here, I went to school with more people on a daily basis than were in the entire town that I was from. <laughs> That's wild. Um, so let's see. I'm trying to think what other components. Um, how did you think the Heimdall thing went with the horns? I thought it went well, and it, it all sounded really good. Um, honestly, the timing was damn near perfect. Yeah, it was. Um, and I don't know if this is where I was, like, that mixture of, like, trance and not trance that I was in whenever I tried to blow mine, but mine didn't sound, didn't, like, I didn't connect the right way, so I just stopped and held, and held it there because uh, I didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh... I do feel that those big horns are like those bigger ones were a little harder to blow mm. um, because even in the, or they just don't have a very like piercing sound. They have a more guttural sound because mm. um, even when you and Keenan went to wake up everybody, I feel like they just didn't get very loud. So I yeah. think if we had those, t- like all everyone have tighter horns, I think it would have went better. Uh, but I mean, honestly, like, for how little timing we had on that, I think it went really well because it was literally like, you know, I started talking about Heimdall and I was like, Heimdall, hear our horns. And then like two seconds later, everyone like, I mean, we, yeah, we could ask better for that timing. Yeah. And we were talking about like the preparation and like the, the quote unquote rehearsal that we did earlier. Our rehearsal was, we got everybody together and we went on, a, uh, we basically went on like a hike up through the hills. And that's where they learned about the runes that we were going to be chanting stuff like that. You were giving us like a rundown of like what you're going to be doing while you're leading people up and down the tree. And that was our rehearsal. And then other than that, it was just the pre-ritual. We got everybody into the trance for the most part. <laughs> I love when I fucking yelled at uh, William and Parker. Because <laughs> we had just gotten done getting into the trance. And Parker pulls out his e-cig and starts puffing away. I'm like, Parker, what are you doing? <laughs> and I look over at William like 10 seconds later. He's on his phone. I'm like, William, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, we just got into a trance. Over here is puffing on your e-cig. Laying on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> i think oh, i specifically said william i was like william that phone is literally stealing all the spiritual energy you just gained <laughs> oh. yeah but um yeah i think i think i'm gonna start doing a heavier pre-ritual from now on like before i've only given myself you know 15 20 minutes uh and i i would say my my days of doing Full solo rituals are getting t- more sparse because like the ritual uh, uh, we're preparing for the spring of star gathering right now. 
Um, I'm working with uh, Logan and Mary on it. And so it'll be us three performing a ritual. And I just, I'm really starting to love the idea of like pulling in the expertise of everybody, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, we have all these, we have all these different um, sets of knowledge and experience and we might as well, you know, utilize them to the, to the best effect to get yeah. the, the best experience out of it. Now I have to give, I'm pretty sure Dylan does watch the podcast um and i have to give him another shout out man those god poles were epic oh yeah they like awesome just like and one of my favorite scenes in the video is like me recording the setting up of these god poles just be you know i think it, it just looks so cool like <laughs> <laughs> and then to also have something to to splatter that meat and iron on uh you know as well i think that was really cool i shoot i kind of want to do meat and iron just sounds pretty cool i want to do like a like a, something named after that, like, you know, the podcast of meat and iron or something. I don't know. Oh, are you going to be bringing in, you're going to bring in Chris at the iron oh, road mixture? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dude, the, the moment he joined the, uh, the premiere, I was like, oh, if it isn't the copper road. <laughs> and he's like, it's the iron road. I'm like, nah, copper softer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, now, one thing I wanted to draw attention to uh for people that don't know this background information for it so this this ritual is obviously very intense like if you watch it without any knowledge of really what's going on it's very primal you know it it leads to all of us just kind of like like you know it it gets pretty upbeat and it's pretty epic to watch um and it was amazing to be a part of that energy but much like Heilong, like Heilong is a very aggressive and primal band. Like, you know, a lot of their songs end up in some very, you know, releasing chants and things like that. Um, but the title Heilong means healing. And the majority of their songs are meant to be healing songs and ways to heal society and heal the world. Um, they're never like aggressive or, you know, negative, um, or at least that's not their, you know, chosen effect. And that's the same way with this ritual. While it was primal um, and sounded very aggressive, the entire purpose of this ritual was gratitude and it was supposed to give gratitude to the fire. We were bringing gratitude to Odin and to be grateful for the year we've been given um, going into this next year um, and this next cycle. And so it was a very positive and uplifting ritual, which is why I think a lot of people left with, you know, that kind of feeling. And, you know, to me, that means our ritual was a success because the majority of people had a very positive and uplifting experience, even though it was very primal. And um, I'm trying to think. I was going to say something about the one we're going to do in California. <laughs> well, something about a volcano. We're going to do it around the lip of a volcano. <laughs> oh, for one, for oh, for one thing, I've already told Darius we're right. We're fighting under that volcano because it's too badass not to. <laughs> we're doing what with the volcano? We're going to wrestle under the volcano. You're going to wrestle near the volcano? Yes, it's too badass not to. <laughs> we already um, got like four is, guys asking for this gathering. Like, we go and wrestle. And I'm like, why is everyone wanting to wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me and John and Darius. We were all at the North Central where we did that for Thor. And oh, yeah. I never got to wrestle Darius because it's neat. Wrestle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was that's one thing. The other thing I was going to say is like, for the, I guess we can go ahead and like talk about the, the pre ritual for the one in California, just because that's brought up in my head um do you still want to do the um basically slab like hit us with the iron oxide and stuff before you go into your deeper trance and then whenever i come out 
I can do that for everybody mm, else. Yeah, we might do that just as the pre-ritual. I think that makes more sense because, again, I feel like it, while that would look cool, I feel like, um, you know, it distracted uh, to pull everyone towards that for a moment when we could have just done that in pre-ritual. I mean, a 50-minute ritual is not a big deal if it's, you know, entertaining and it's good. Uh, but, you know, I think shaving off the uh, the blessing of the warrior, so to speak, um, would save us some time. Yeah. Um, and we are going to have a lot less warriors. Like, um, you know, if it's going to be me and you, and then I know we'll have John and Darius. Um mm-hmm. And then we might take a couple volunteers, but we don't want to outweigh the amount of people watching it at the same time. Um, so, I mean, if it's literally just us four, I'm not going to be too upset. I think. I how. think that it would be good. And honestly, like me and Darius were talking about making like sharpened spears out of wood because I can't bring my spear with me. <laughs> so we'll make we'll make John one too. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, and then it would just be well. Then we just need one drum, and then I could just have one of the drums. Mm. Um, yeah, that should work. And then, um, I'm trying to think of how many people we're going to have for this. I think we're doing this one Saturday night. So we'll have the most, most people, I think we'll have around 20. Um, do we want to do the same four runes? Um, I mean, I think, you know, why not? I mean, I mean, yeah, it's good to, good to give it another run and and see if we stay, if we get the same effect, we get a different effect, you know, what type of, you know, what kind of uh, type of change that that makes, um, just like different setting or what the, are you still doing the gratitude for the, uh, the yeah, intention yeah, yeah. of this ritual? Okay. Most, yeah, of, the, most should, of the backbone is going to stay the same. Yeah. Then it should be good. Then. I mean, I know that I talked, I talked with all the warriors except for William because I never could get a hold like to really talk to him after it. But the, the purpose for like those runes and like the binder that I got them from is like, it's a, a matter of like, grounding and uh, protection. And all of them said that they were like feeling that um, yeah. as they were chanting. And yep. getting them deeper into the shit. Well, and, you know, and one of the components of the ritual was the acknowledgement of the wild hunt and, you know, and the dangers that, you know, come from the spiritual world, uh, particularly around this time of year, uh, which, of course, we have experienced as a community. Um, they do exist. They're out there. Um, and so to, you know, to proclaim out into nature, to proclaim out to the gods that, you know, these are, you know, people that, you know, are, you know, basically swearing these oaths of protection for the night and, and pr- protect this community, um, I, I think it's just a really powerful experience. And, um, and like one of the things I do want to mention, um, and something that I, I was realizing about Odin here as well, is one of the things about Odin that we know a lot is the primalness, like a lot of his names involve some form of like the screaming God or the mad God or the God of rage. Um, and so I think these primal rituals honestly are a really great way to connect to Odin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's the easy ancient war God. And right. He's yeah. the one that helped the Germanic, you know, he may help the Germanic tribes fight back against, you know, the superior Romans. Right. And so like a lot of superior. Well, like one of the things I was thinking, uh, you know, after the ritual watching everyone just like lose their shit, I was watching it and I was just like, huh, I wonder, I mean, obviously we don't know to what extent or what exactness, but I wonder what kind of rituals, you know, Ulfinder or, you know, uh, just warriors in general for Odin would have done in the past. Like, I'm assuming they would have had some form of, you know, pre-war, pre-battle ritual. Um, and, you know, again, we're not obviously going to be able to recreate that, but I wonder if it was any form of similar. I feel like it is, and that's actually, I, I told you before that me and Keenan are working on a ritual for Southern Yule. And ever since like we started talking about it the night that we did this one and we were both feeling that we want to do like a basically like a pre-battle ritual 
like it's that pre- preparation. Um, yeah. And so that's what that's what I've been working on is doing research on basically ancient war chants, things like that, finding ways to incorporate them. One thing we're going to do is do something similar to um, similar to Heilung and Alpha Dirhaitet, and we're going to uh, chant. We're going to chant names of Odin, but I'm going to do like the battle related names. Oh, that's cool. Like, I like that. Yeah, like the spear shaker and you know uh, all of that. Um, and uh, it should be it should be really good. It's going to be super primal though. <laughs> I'm hoping somebody will record it. Dude, you're going to have way, like way too. I mean, scary. Southern Yule's in like what two three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro, you ain't gonna come back. <laughs> about to do like this freaking gratitude ritual under a mount of a volcano. Two weeks later, you're gonna be going doing an ancient war god battle chant with Keenan. You guys ain't coming back from them woods. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that I could finally start doing things like this though. Yeah. Um, because it's been such a big focus on this. I finally have found, I found people that I can actually learn from that have joined the community and that I've met through my path and I've actually started finding good resources. So we see, have, you, have you talked to Niels at all? Oh dude, I talk to Niels like every day. Oh, okay. Okay. I was about to say, cause I was like, <laughs> Niels literally messages me about this all the time is like his, uh, like, you know, kind of like the offender stuff. Um, and so I was like, damn, if you guys aren't talking, like there's some more knowledge for you. I'm so glad he was able oh, no, to make dude. it again. Niels, I think dude. he watched the podcast. It was great meeting you. Yeah. So thing with Niels, Niels has taught me more in just a few short conversations I had with him, like the first week I knew him, than I was able to discover on my own in a year of trying to search for this stuff. That's awesome. Just because he had, he had that much knowledge because he's been doing this stuff for so long. So, and he's actually going to be one of the warriors for the ritual. Oh, for the, he's going to Southern. Yes. What? Oh, that's <laughs> awesome, bro. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll get into no. the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm so pumped he gets. Uh, he's going to Southern though. Um, I know he was real bummed that you couldn't stay for uh, the Ohio Yule. Yeah, I'm really glad it worked out, and I'm really glad that he's going to get to experience a gathering. How's Keenan going to talk? Like, I barely had to play that drum, and he was just like, <laughs> <laughs> "Okay, so, so this is another part of that because he's going. Like, like I said, we're just going into the shit. Um, <laughs> so." Part of his thing is that he's been, I don't know if he mentioned you that he's making this map, this Odin mask. Um, but part of what he's going to do in that and part of like what Odin's been like trying to like, I don't know, push at him is just letting like basically inviting Odin to completely just like take over him and just channel Odin through the ritual. He didn't need any help with that. Well, I know. I'm just saying <laughs> that's what he wants to do. And that's part of, and that's part of like when he said that, I'm like, okay, we have to get all these warriors chant names of Odin because that's only going to bring it in harder. Yeah, so if I feel an earthquake, I know where it's coming from. Um, and I will say, I, I actually, from a personal uh, aspect, I will say using different names of Odin, um, even in your own private rituals, um, is a really powerful way to connect with him. Um, the, the most complete list, which is where I got it for the video I did, was from the Viking Way by Neil Price, I think is the name. Um, he has like all 208 names or whatever in there and like a brief description of them. And so the three names... Um, that I use here of because or uh, of course Odin, and um, so uh, that right there is actually how I like stop myself from talking when I record videos. So anytime you like see a cut in a video, just picture those words turning into. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know why I started doing it. I think it's just to make myself laugh and get get on with it. Um, but yeah, so I used Odin, of course, um, All Father. But then the big ones were Yulnir, uh, which is just literally Yule Father, and then Horafnagof, which is Raven God. Um, and so when everyone's pouring their offerings into the fire, which that's one of the scenes I cut pretty heavily, um, you can see it's in the background. And uh, one of the things I really loved, and I'm, I'm glad how it turned out, is how I was chanting. Uh, <laughs> uh, everything okay over there, Caleb? Oh, there we go. There. Oh, did it freeze up? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Zoom. Dang it, Zoom. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think it's going to freeze up my end, so we'll just keep it in there. Whatever. Um, internet sucks sometimes, guys. But anyway, so when uh, everyone's pulling their offerings in, I was actually chanting uh, Odin's names. Um, so right away, I was just like, Ooh, you know, and stuff like that. And it, it's one of those things where if you separate and isolate that incident, you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, if literally that's the entire thing you were doing, you're like, oh, it's this dude just like throat singing Odin's name. That's weird. Um, but, you know, when you start adding all those elements into a larger ritual, I really do think that they start adding and complementing each other. Um, and I think the rules of threes, particularly with Odin and with his faith, um, is very important. Like, don't just do something once. You know, bring in elements multiple times, and I think that's going to, you know, increase the effect. Um, and so I brought up Yulnir and Harafnagoth multiple times. We chanted the runes multiple times. We had multiple journeys. Um, we had multiple offerings. We had multiple, you know, moments. I mentioned Heimdall more than once. Um, and so the more layers you're adding and the more complexity you're adding is just going to increase the overall effect, as long as they're all complementing each other. Yeah, I completely agree on that. It's a, uh, I don't know. It's seeing the uh, the different names of Odin is always the way that I I get into him or start to feel him and stuff. Especially if it's uh always like it's usually the fall whenever I will go to like give offerings to him because that's whenever I normally feel him anyways. But the first time that I go and I start calling out six seven different names, it's just like a rush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you um? How do you think the uh, like the bind rune we painted on the warrior's chest went? Oh, I think it went great. It was a good representation of the trance and the journey itself. And then the act of physically breaking the trance was, I think, a great, it was a great visual aspect for the people that were watching the ritual, but it was also something that the uh, the warriors could, you know, they could feel it. And they, I'm sure. That, right. I don't, I didn't feel this, like, well, part of like, whenever you said that I did that little bow, beforehand that was me like technically i got released before i released them and so that's why i was like <laughs> dude that's one of my favorite subtleties from that is when you kind of just do that weird curtsy before you just start slashing their chest with that paint and that was me trying to figure what the fuck am i doing <laughs> <laughs> we're crazy bro <laughs> man honestly that moment right there is one of my favorite subtleties because again that's you know something that brings it back to the high lung is we were watching for those subtleties and i'm sure there are people at that ritual there's people that watch that video that did not notice that we were painting runes onto their chest um it's not something we really drew attention to it's something that happened in the background but was a crucial part of the ritual um and so for people that don't know or haven't noticed, uh, go back and watch the video. Um, 
So Caleb, one of Caleb's roles was actually to paint a fully complete a bind rune. And so when we when I brought everyone down to the lower realm and the warriors would swear their oath to protect the folk for that night, um, Caleb would come and uh, paint an upside down algae's onto their chest um, to represent the lower realm. And then when we got all the way back up and we climbed to Asgard after, you know, we basically, while I was talking there, Caleb would then paint a, a you know, a normal algae's onto their chest as well, um, basically creating a bind rune, thus continuing the trance. And then my favorite, favorite moment, my favorite personal moment is when I leaned over to you and I said, release them. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't expect you just to bring it over to say release. I was waiting for some type of cue or you to stop for a second. No. <laughs> I mean, for real. Um, and that, just the power of that, too, because the, the release them, you know, moment was just to draw a line through the middle of it to represent Midgard, to represent that we've returned home. Um, and man, just this the way pe the, they naturally reacted after that was amazing. Mm. Like you could just, I don't know if you heard it or if you saw me, but like whenever I went to slash and I was just ah. <laughs> <laughs> this lad is like good going across. That's what I did, but I was loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Man, I I I don't know quite what the right term for this ritual was from a performance standpoint, but it was just it was fun. Honestly, it was a fun ritual. Like I just had a ball uh, ball doing it. And I thought well, like one of the funny things like going back and watching it was like whenever I went back to go put the horn bowl down before I went apeshit because I didn't want to throw your bowl in the fire because I tend to do that. <laughs> don't don't do it, Caleb. <laughs> I tend to throw things in fire. Big fire. <laughs> um I, I really wish, Jeff, if you listen to the podcast, which I think he does, um, Jeff, next time you have the urge to jump into the fire and rip your shirt off, just do it. Just do it. Like, that's why we do those rituals, is for you to go crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was talking to Runa afterwards, uh, and, like, she was like, oh, I wanted to do the same thing. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the things that uh, Logan and Mary and I are working on for the spring ritual, um, is our goal is to get everyone dancing to some degree. Dancing, singing, or playing music. Um, because that has always been a dream of mine, is to get every person attending a gathering dancing i don't know why but it's like a, it's hard it's hard to get people out of their shell and it's hard to get them motivated to do it and provide the right environment um because i asked a few people why they didn't join in in any like dancing around the fire or anything after that and they're like well because there was drew walking around with a freaking dane axe swinging it around in the middle of the fire and i was like you know what actually you made the right call <laughs> No, that was one of my favorite things. He's walking around. He's just doing this up in the air with a Danax. It was great. <laughs> uh, do you want to tell the story of Drew and that that badass night for him? Oh, okay. So I think about Drew and part of the reason that I would like whenever he decided like kind of just jumped in and like wanted to be a part of it, like yeah, I was completely cool with. Um, so the last fall gathering, the first, like the first one we did, um, when it was it was the night that we did your your ancestor ritual, your fire ritual. Um, uh, my purpose that night, because it was the night after I did the Beast of Odin, was to protect the folk. And I mean, I literally looked like a great corpse walking around because I was my skin was just uh, tinged gray. <laughs> um, but I, my goal, my goal was to protect the folk. And he ended up uh, after that ritual, 
was just st standing there staring into the fire completely silent, but I could tell it wasn't him. It was something else. It wasn't anything bad, but uh, later that night, come to see him sitting at a table, just completely zonked out. And I ended up leading him out of this, I don't know what to say, tr trance of some kind or something like that. He ended up trading places with one of his ancestors um, that night. And it was ridiculous. Um, I ended up helping him like find this. He was on this like field of battle from what he could, from what he could tell me. I told him to look for ravens because it was a thing that came to mind. He found one that was over eight, like one singular corpse. And then he came back out of it from there uh, and has been exploring that since. And then he also had a one of, one of those creatures or spirits chase him out of the woods later that night also. I was more or less referring to the, uh, the actual ritual itself and like the tattoo. But that's oh, uh, I, I thought you meant the last year. No, no, no. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that's a cool story. But I was more or less referring to the fact that this dude just like jumps in out of nowhere. I was like, yeah, I want to be a part of it. And then gets a tattoo on his skull later that day. Well, I thought you meant last year. The that man got a tattoo like... on his skull, Caleb. I thought that was the interesting thing. <laughs> I mean, there was multiple interesting things. Yeah, he, ended up, he wanted to get he wanted to get a tattoo. He wanted to get the runes tattooed on that we would not chant. He wanted to do like a, uh, a band on his wrist. And then uh, I can't remember who if he got the idea. He's like, I kind of want to do it on my head. And I'm like, I've got a buzzer. You can cut your hair. <laughs> you can do it. And then he's like, he sits there and he's like, he's messaging three or four people, ends up messaging his girlfriend. And she's like, yeah, that'd be badass. Go do it. <laughs> and then awesome. he comes back with his head shaved. And then while you're doing the dinner thing, would you cut it out of the video? I didn't hear it. Because you couldn't hear it. Everyone was talking. Oh, you couldn't loud. hear it? Oh, okay. No. Yeah. I was waiting to hear the What? That's cool. Well, yeah, you could hear me say what? And then it was just like, what, 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 you know, when you can even hear what I was saying, what about? So I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, he while, while while we were getting ready for dinner, I finished it up right before we started to eat. But he got all four of the rooms right, though Uru's Nanzuzalthala tattooed on the side of his uh, head. Well, and then there's the fact that he went to work like 20 minutes after the ritual completed. Mm. Yeah, just casually, just like you know, still covered, freshly tattooed on his skull. Uh, you know, looking like blood covered in his face, uh, you know, smoke in his eyes, goes to work at uh, his job for the evening and then comes back the next morning. <laughs> uh, I bet he still had the rune painted on his chest as well. Oh, yeah, he still had the rune painted on there. <laughs> so is it just me because I carried the iron oxide, but are you finding it everywhere now? Like it's on my bed somehow. And I don't understand how. <laughs> It, it, like even if you get a little particle it just like comes out of nowhere and just like, gets on everything like my bag was just coated in the stuff like it literally looks like i had like a bunch of dead meat in my bag <laughs> like i'm really scared the, the the poor tsa this time around are going to be very confused <laughs> we're starting to turn into i've heard highlung tell stories of the tsa like getting really weirded out by them because they always like carry around bones and stuff uh and that's that's turning into me like i want to bring uh like one of my my spiritual like weapons you know that protects me in the spirit realm it's the is the blunted dagger that um jeff made for me now it's blunted but i don't think i could actually bring that on a plane well i mean i actually brought i brought a few pieces of metal with me to like um to denver like you know that accent that i have that copper one yeah like I had that in my bag and I had, uh, I had my small little, um, knife. Like it's only this big, but it's completely blunted, but it was, a uh, an artifact from 
like Ukraine or something like that. And they never mentioned it, but it yeah, was super I just, tiny. Yeah, I mean, because you figured like Jeff's dagger is like, you know, eight inches across. Again, you could literally could, like you would have more luck bludgeoning somebody with it than you would like cutting somebody. But I just want to get to the point where I'm at TSA and they're like, you can't take this. And then I'm like, well, I don't know what to fucking do with it now. And like, I would have to, you know, leave it there. Like, you know, I just don't want to, I don't want to risk it. But I just like, I don't know if I can call them and be like, hey guys, so I perform shamanic pagan rituals. This is a very important component of it. It is blunted. So, <laughs> and they're like, what? And then I'm also like, yeah, can I also bring my drone? You know, <laughs> because drones are really weird to fly with too. So. If you really are, if you're really wanting some sort of like that ritual component as far as like the uh, uh, the weapon, I've got an antler that I can probably fit in my bag. Mm, I have an the, antler too. I guess I could use that. Yeah, this is that uh, that big one that Zach gave me at the, uh, the Fellowship Leader Gathering. I thought you said no. Don't don't bring that. Thing is massive. I could fit it in a bag. <laughs> How many bags do you bring, it, Caleb? Just one. Just I've got one. A, I've got one. I've you got, have I've clothes. Got well, I mean, sometimes. I mean, for the most part, it's like most of the time I end up running around shirtless again. So this is fine. <laughs> uh, are you going to have your deer pelt? If I can fit, I'm going to do my damnedest to fit it in a bag because <laughs> I want it. But I'm not. I'm literally not going to have clothes. Like I'm going to have like I'm going to have like my ritual pants and. My, I can fit my tunic in there, and it'll probably just be one set of like regular clothes. Oh my gosh! I'm just again, I'm loving this. I'm I'm just loving what the TSA is going to have to go through with us moving forward into the future. Is this a steadily increasing amount of furs, bones, and you know, uh, like weird objects? <laughs> Oddly enough, I I searched it up one time just because I was curious. So I'm like, how do people get back after they go hunting with like trophy stuff like it? Apparently, you can you can like actually take like a, an animal skull onto a plane, and it's considered a personal item. <laughs> and i was like i could do that with george <laughs> just carrying him with you at all times like yep <laughs> but make, yeah, a, start... make a band so you put him on your face just sit there <laughs> do you want me to go do, do you want me to go fully on like i did the beast mode? <laughs> i mean i've been asking for it for a while i mean you know. i mean honestly i'll be i'll be honest i thought i plan on doing that for the um for the california ritual <laughs> Uh, well, I do want to pull it in because, uh, Caleb, believe it or not, we're still doing a podcast, but we've just been talking at this point, <laughs> which I is mean, what podcasts are. I mean, uh, yeah. so I hope people have found it entertaining. You've gotten this is literally just what conversations look like when you get deep into the woo woo and uh, and your life becomes paganism. You just start talking about TSAs and bones and going into beast mode. It's super casual. Um, but I do want to leave you, uh, you know, here if you made it this far talking about your own personal spiritual practice because this you know there is a point to all of this and i hope it's been inspiring um is my spiritual practice you know has existed for about five years but really didn't start evolving until um, i started the wisdom of odin and it's going to start small like if you're getting to this faith for the first time you don't have to do what we're doing you don't have to you know go into the middle of the woods get into a shamanic trance chant odin's names do a galder chant blood curdle scream at the sky you know all for gratitude you don't have to do that um this has been an evolution of you know stuff we have learned stuff we have observed and this took months of practice it took months of planning um it took multiple people to put on um, and so if your ritual practice starts with just a small offering, that's amazing. Start small. Um, you know, Ian isn't here. So take 
take those steps, you know, take one step and then just, just take the other step. And then after that, take, take the next step after that. And before you know it, you have a staircase sandwich, as Logan has said. Um, but truly, you know, your ritual practice can start very small, um, especially if it's just you. But I really want to challenge you this year. And I think I say this in the upcoming video as well. I challenge you and I challenge the fellowship leaders. I challenge everyone in this community. Pick one ritual to improve upon this whole year. You know, this whole year, you're finding ways to make it better and better. You perform it several times um, to, you know, but the chosen effect is still the same. You're saying, okay, this is the chosen effect I want. And you keep trying it and keep making it better. Because that's what we're doing here with this Odin ritual. So this is something uh, I hope to do several times this year, um, you know, and I hope to do it at Yule again uh, at the, the end of this next year to see how far we've come and see how much we've learned um, from this ritual. And maybe in 20 years, this thing is just, you know, a well-oiled machine. And every single time people are just like, like, you know, and they're all dancing and, and everything. Um, so we'll see. But I really want to challenge you to continue to evolve your spiritual practice. And this is one of the ways that I think you can stop from getting stagnant, um, stop from burning yourself out, is just explore, evolve, and constantly improve. Any last minute words of wisdom before we close out, Caleb? No, <clears throat> You've always had to start small before you start big. And I mean, a good way of seeing like our evolution in how we've done rituals, you can go back and look at the videos, like the gathering videos. And go from the first one where it's only, you know, it's a 15 minute long video and you can see like how young and inexperienced we all are into it and all the way up to what we've just done a couple weeks ago. And then it's only going to get better from here. Oh, my gosh. Like, did you watch the movie marathon at all, Caleb? Or are you working? I was working, but I said the hell with it. I was watching it while I was working. <laughs> so you watched the first episode, like the first one? I didn't, I didn't get to watch the first one. I think I jumped in. I jumped in in the fall gathering. Okay. Okay. Dude, it honestly blew my mind personally, you know, having created these videos, looking at you, Mary and Logan, because you all have changed so much. And it's mm -hmm. wild to see it from the first time where you guys literally just answered like a call to action I made at two or like 700 subscribers or whatever it was. And went to this gathering for 18 hours. And now here we are at the here we were at the Ohio Yule gathering performing these crazy, amazing rituals together. Like, mm -hmm. that's, that's insane, man. It's it's a truly humbling thing to see how far we've how far we've come. No, I was getting berated for my baby beard. Yeah, well, people were watching the first one. <laughs> Bro, you look like you just came straight off of like the fucking coal mine, like came out of the coal mine there with your yellow shirt, your tight beard. Uh, you know, you had like no hair. <laughs> it's wild, bro. Uh, yeah. my, my beard still hasn't grown. <laughs> and now it looks like you did. Like I just climbed out of the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining Caleb and I for this, uh, this discussion on our ritual. Um, again, I, I do plan on filming the West Coast gathering. I don't know to what extent I will be filming it, um, but hopefully you can check out that Odin ritual and see what has changed and evolved. Um, and I really want to challenge you to evolve your own practice this coming year. So thank you all very much and happy 2022 once again to you. And until the hall, Skull. Skull.